Man, it's great to see everybody today. Amen. If you have God's word, I want to invite you to turn to Proverbs chapter 24. Proverbs chapter 24. Let's put our finger there. We go to Proverbs chapter 24. And we're going to be looking this morning at at verse 26. Um, You know, I I read this verse. and In fact, I've read the verse probably many, many times throughout my life as a pastor reading through the Bible, maybe 30 times or so. I don't know how many times I've read the verse. But it really did not jump out and get my attention. You know how that happens sometimes? Sometimes you'll read a passage or a verse in the Bible and you kind of just, you know, breeze right through it. And then all of a sudden you read it this that one time and the thing comes alive to you. That's kind of what, you know, what I experienced, you know, for me. And so uh, I read the verse. You can see the verse there as you look it up in Proverbs chapter 24, looking at verse 26. And and this is probably uh, TMI. And so when I'm thinking that, I'm thinking, okay, now do I need to go there? Uh, But, um, you know, when I read the verse, I I couldn't help but think about the first time that I tried to kiss my wife. And at the time, by the way, she wasn't my wife yet. And uh, and I I, I actually was a, uh, a student ministries pastor, a youth pastor there at her church. And she's about 18 years of age and I was about 22. And, you know, right off the bat, we saw each other. And we started to flirt just a little bit. I know that doesn't sound pastoral, but I did. Um, and we, we kind of flirted with each other a little bit. And this thing just continued to culminate and to grow. And so I thought to myself, I got to seal the deal, right? You know, I got I got to seal the deal. And so, you know, I'm going to I need to kiss her. And so uh, we were having a church softball game and she parked in her little green car over beside first base. I think it was along the road there, the curb. And I parked over here by. A home plate, and so I walked around there, and I thought to myself, "Okay, this is my chance." And she unlocked her door, and I slid into the passenger seat, and uh, you know, I started flirting just a little bit, and then I took my finger like this, you know, I wanted her to get close, and then I was going to seal the deal, right, Alita? I, you know, I'm going like this, and so she she moves this way, her face is getting closer and closer and closer, and right when I pucker, right when you know the eyes come shut, I start to pucker, and bam, she turns her head. And I nail her about between the cheek and the ear region. Okay. What I'm saying, guys, I fumbled the ball. <laughs> I mean, I messed up. I'm sorry to share that with you. But I really fumbled. It did not work at all. And this might be, you know, just kind of a weird analogy. But I think sometimes, spiritually, we fumble the ball. You know, we, we have all kinds of plans. And, and we think about, you know, our, our relationship with the Lord and then... You know, all of a sudden we're wondering, what are we doing? What is going wrong? And so we have what the scripture gives us is Proverbs. And the question might be, you know, what is Proverbs? I mean, why would we look at Proverbs? Is it still relevant? I mean, Proverbs was written so many years ago. I mean, does it still apply today? Excuse me. Yeah, so do Proverbs that still apply today? Well, first know this, and I'm quoting somebody here. Listen to this. Here's what I want to say. First know this, that Proverbs, they are the application of the tenets of our faith for everyday living. If you're going to write something in, do that right there. They are the application of the tenets of our faith for the task of everyday living. So, yes, there is some relevancy when it comes to Proverbs. And, I mean, I think of it this way. Excuse me. Sorry about that. I'm, I'm fighting the cold just a little bit. 
But I, I want to think of it this way. I was reading Beacon Bible Commentary. And the commentary writer there was describing or explaining Proverbs like this. The commentary author said, just as Psalms is the Hebrews hymn book, so Proverbs is the manual of righteous everyday living. So there is some relevancy to the idea of Proverbs and studying Proverbs. In fact, we go to chapter 24, I already mentioned that. And we're going to focus on verse 26, but I want to break it up in in really three different sections as we start with verse 1 and move down towards 26. In fact, in looking at verses 1 through 9, it gives us kind of the context. Look at that for just a moment if you have the word with you. In verses 1 through 9, we have kind of context, which is a dichotomy between evil and wise or the, the, the wisdom of God. And we can explain it like this or understand it like this. <clears throat> wisdom is constructive and creative. Right. Wisdom is constructive and creative. And it's the wisdom of God that allows us to access the power and the presence of God by following his words of wisdom and listening to the Holy Spirit. And it's creative and it's powerful. And you see, wisdom leads us down that path. It is very constructive and creative. While wickedness is destructive, we understand that, is destructive. It's usually something that is flowing from the mouth. Remember that. It's usually flowing from the mouth. And so we have kind of the context. But then there's some coaching that happens in verses 10 through 22. Look at those verses. Uh, glance down there. Look at your verses there. And in and, and, and paraphrase here, uh, he challenges us to rescue those who are weak and do not prey on those That are broken while understanding the path that you are on, understanding the path that you're on, because you see the way that we treat others, the way that we treat those that are weak, the way that we respond to those that are broken. It says a whole lot. Excuse me. It says a whole lot about where we are at in regards to righteousness. We're at spiritually. So then he goes on again, paraphrasing, be careful to not be envious of the righteous. Because why the righteous know the importance of wisdom and as they follow wisdom, they become righteous and they follow and pursue righteousness, which leads to strength and resilience and and fortitude and stability and balance in life as we follow wisdom and we listen to wisdom and respond to wisdom. And a part of that wisdom is to know in the sense of application for everyday life, you know, as we are thinking about our own life is to realize that the grass is not always greener on the other side of the fence. <clears throat> if we can get that, I mean, that's worth admission this morning. We can understand, you know, the grass is not always greener on the other side of, uh, of the fence. And then all of a sudden we have this, you know, this good wisdom. And then kind of in verse 26, he drops us like an elevator with no cables right in the midst of this response that sounds so simple and gentle. But there's a whole lot to it as we look at verse 26. An honest answer is like a kiss on the lips. Now, in the Western world, that might raise our eyebrows just a little bit. But in in the Eastern part of the world, you know, that's part of the culture. You know, kissing somebody on the right cheek and the left cheek, right? Or maybe even kissing their hand. And it's the beginning of building this trust or building friendship and and building this relationship that that is honest. And, And now we're, you know, putting this or fitting this in the context of the fact that we're looking at the book of Proverbs. And what are Proverbs? Well, Proverbs are are things that people say. The Proverbs of wisdom that are spoken and written and reflected upon. And remember the author. We have to remember this. It's Solomon. 
And Solomon was, was honored and he was highly respected by the nations that surrounded him because he is one of the wisest men in the world. We understand that. So the saying is saying that a right answer, or here it's wisdom, earns respect and affection. You see, that's the summation of the verse that we're looking at this morning. That it earns respect and affection in building the friendship, in building the trust in that relationship. Now, I think as a background, we have to go back to verse 24. Go back to verse 24 for just a moment. We hadn't read it. We have not read it yet. But but it talks about, you know, kind of a comparison between godly wisdom versus the wisdom of the world. Now, bear with me on this and think about it. Godly wisdom versus wisdom of the world. Here's what the verse reads. Whoever says to the guilty, you are innocent, will be cursed by peoples and denounced by nations. And then I want to read it again in the New King James Version. Whoever says to the wicked, you are righteous, him the people will curse, nations will abhor him. So listen to this. Whoever says to the wicked that you are righteous. You see, Proverbs is saying when we start calling what is wrong as being right, saying that wicked being wicked is is being righteous, then folks, what he's saying is that we are in trouble. Because then all of a sudden, the world, the standard that God has given us has been turned upside down. And now we're saying, okay, this is, this is what is righteous when we understand and know that the wisdom of God says it is not righteous. Because the world is flipping it upside down. And I think the problem is we start running down the aisle with, with all kinds of good causes. And we say, oh, this is good. And we do that. But then we miss out on what is the best. And the best is Jesus Christ and Him crucified. You see, we need to focus on, on what the, the, the important thing here is, which is our, our, our Savior, of course. No, no question about that. So we see this today. Sometimes, again, we, we brace what is good and we miss out on what is best. So the saying is saying that what we say, now bear with me again, we're being wise, is saying that what we say matters. Because what we say, it impacts people's lives. It, it affects, you know, people's self-esteem, the, the, the things that we say, the way we say them. And it really has an effect on the kingdom. I believe that. So what is happening here, this passage is calling us to be proactive. Say that with me. Proactive. Let's do it again. Proactive. He's calling us to be proactive. And, and, and it, it's, it's interesting because in a sense the verse is somewhat disarming. You know, an honest answer is like a kiss on the lips. But yet, yet when I really dig into it, I see this this aggressive part of it in regards to our integrity and the way that we use our language and the way that we talk to other people. Now, I, I use the word proactive because I know there are three kinds of people in the world. There are people that make things happen, right? There are people that watch things happen. The people say, what just happened? <laughs> so it matters that that that. That, that we're proactive in our faith. Remember, what is this? It's a manual for righteous everyday living. Just as a Psalms is a Hebrews hymn book. This is the manual for righteous everyday living. And we, we, we hang on to that and we understand that. One uh, definition of proactive is anticipating future problems. So if you're writing something down, write this down. Proactive means that you're anticipating future problems. Another definition, one person said that leadership is not crisis management, it is crisis avoidance. And that's two different things. 
Because it's not just, okay, I'm managing what's going on and reacting to life, but now it's crisis avoidance. So Proverbs admonishes in the very same sense, in the same spirit, he admonishes the ant and say, listen and watch the way of the ant, for the ant stores up in the summer to be ready for the winter. So the ant is working in preparation, anticipation of, of the possible crisis. So he's preparing in the summer that he might be ready for the winter. You see, that's the Christian life that we're called to here because it's, it's wise. It's wise that we are preparing. The Christian life is living in anticipation of future for future eternity and future blessing and future possibilities for the kingdom of God. Did you know that's why we were a part of Pumpkin Palooza? That why we did not have the harvest thing here on this campus? Because we are living in anticipation of the future blessing of the kingdom of God and the future lives that might be impacted because we were present in the lives of people that maybe never heard of Jesus Christ. I was blessed when I walked in this morning and I noticed on the desk there in the front office there was a thank you card with an apple on it appropriately. And the thank you card is from... It says, thank you for helping at our Pumpkin Palooza, Miss Tomek, Foster Elementary, 4th grade, room 25. And then on the card, we have all these names, Mason and Heaven and, and Arista. Of course, these are 4th graders writing. I'm trying to read the writing here. Uh, Franco, Alexis, Addison, Isabella, Jacob, Adrian, Emily, Alistar, Malaya, Melania, Brianna, Anthony, Oran, Andrew. And I can go on and on of kids whose lives have now been drawn and directed toward the fact that there is a place that is on the hill that is called a Christian church. You see, the reality is, folks, we may not like it, but the reality is the world is not coming to the church anymore. Did you know there is such a thing now categorized as nuns? N-O-N-E-S. Nuns, that means a generation of people that's being raised that have no religious affiliation through their parents or their grandparents. What I've read is that 27% of people that are 30 years of age or younger have no religious affiliation. That means no exposure to the gospel of Jesus Christ. The world is not coming to the church. Folks, the church has to go to the world. And that's what we're learning how to do. And we're going through this paradigm shift that we might become the church in our community, in our city for the glory of God. Amen. Is anybody with us on this? Because we want people to know who Jesus Christ is. This is future. This is this is anticipation of future blessings of the kingdom of God. Now, we're in Proverbs. So Proverbs holds us accountable. And, and, and really, there's two biggies here I see in this verse. And again, there's a lot in this verse. And, and the first biggie is to be proactive in honesty. Write that down. To be proactive in honesty, even at the expense of self. You know, honesty is more than not lying. It is truth telling in love. I, I need to say that. It's not just, you know, being honest, but it is it's truth telling in love, even when others resist, even when it's countercultural and it's not popular, that we are truthful, that we're truthful. I was shocked when I read in an article that stated that in regards to medicine, it stated that honesty in medicine. This is just a recent current article. I was shocked. 
The article said or stated that honesty in medicine is emerging as one of the most widely praised qualities in medicine. Now, forgive me, and I mean no judgment or disrespect, but man, honesty just now emerging as a quality? Man, it's how many centuries, how long is it going to take to realize that as believers, it is honesty that God calls us to. Amen. Again, proactive honesty for the right reasons. Now, the second biggie. So the first biggie is be proactive in honesty. The second biggie is be proactive in what? Be proactive in integrity. (laughs) Be proactive in integrity. Now, remember, honesty is truthfulness while integrity is moral and ethical. See, you can have honesty without integrity. Did you know that? You can have honesty without integrity, like being honest about the way somebody looks in that dress. Or the way somebody looks. Or, or you see, we can be honest and it ends up being hurtful. It ends up being mean. It's not that kind of honesty. That's not honesty and love. And so you can have honesty without integrity, but you cannot have integrity without honesty. You see, that's an important detail because integrity is adherence to principles. In fact, integrity, I believe, has a three step process I want to share with you. Here they are. Number one is choosing the right course of conduct. That's the first step in the process of integrity, choosing the right course of conduct. The second step is this, acting consistently with that choice, even if it is inconvenient or improper to do so. Like the story of Zacchaeus, when Jesus sees Zacchaeus, who's a short man, he was a tax collector. How many remember the story of Zacchaeus? And he climbs a tree so that he can see Jesus. He heard that he was coming. And so Jesus says, come down out of that tree, Zacchaeus. I need a place to eat. I want to eat at your home. And Zacchaeus comes down out of the tree. He encounters the living God, the Savior. And then he says, right now, here I profess Jesus, O Lord. I give half of my possessions to the poor. And I'm going to pay back four times the amount that I've cheated people. Because he is making his relationship with God right. Right. Because he's making his relationship with God right. He, he does what? He chooses the right course of action or the right course of conduct. And then he consistently acts with the decision that he made by giving back, of course, those that he had cheated. And what is step number three? Here's step number three. Openly declaring where one stands. Openly declaring where one stands. Once you say it publicly, it's hard to back up. It's hard to back up that this is who I am. This is what I'm, I'm going to be openly declaring. Because the integrity is equated with moral reflection. Think about that for a minute. Integrity is equated with moral reflection. This is simply calling us to be moral in our living out our faith and in the things that we say. You know, we often say, you know, let go and let God. How many have seen that on a marquee? Let go and let God. Or maybe it's the title of a devotion to let go and let God. But with this kind of focus, it is the idea that there's nothing that we have to do. I mean, if we really have faith, I mean, God will do it for us, right? No, wrong. Because that does not take into account our obedience according to our morals and values and that we are proactive in deciding to act consistently with the conduct that we're claiming that is ours. You see, this is the high calling that God has given us. And back at Proverbs twenty four twenty six, it's saying that wisdom, you see, Solomon's saying that wisdom considers all things. And if you do that, and when we do that, then respect will come. 
in all directions like it did for Solomon. And sometimes, listen, sometimes we will never know the impact of our actions and our decisions and living with integrity and with truth and with wisdom. Even if it costs us something, we may never know the impact. I, I opened my mouth. I, I opened my mouth uh, in a particular situation and then I had to, I had to live, live with it. My wife and I, you may not be aware, but my wife and I just sold our house in Florida. We closed this week. We got our house sold. And uh, the people that bought the house were the renters. And uh, we have a management company that's renting the house out. And so we were allowing that realtor with the management company to represent us. And, and then there was the renter. And pretty soon after a few weeks or a couple of months as this thing was beginning to happen, the, the, the realtor began to send me emails, copies of the texts that the renter, the buyer, and the real estate agent was sending each other. And as I was reading these texts, and the reason she was sending me copies of the texts was because the relationship was escalating, and they were fighting, and, and they were angry at each other. And, 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 you know, the realtor was trying to be firm and stern and, you know, make the most money out of the deal. And the renters, you know, they had a limitations in regards to finances. And, and this thing just culminated. I was not in the conversation. It just culminated. I got the copies. And, and then there's, you know, the word lawsuit was starting to be thrown around. And I go, oh, my goodness, I need to call the renters. And so I just called them on the side. And I, I happened to have their number. Uh, my son had gotten it somehow because he had to go over and do something for us there in Florida. But anyways, I called her. And when I called her on the phone, she immediately started crying. And uh, she knows I'm a pastor. And something that was kind of a big deal in their life was that last summer, their 10-year-old boy had pneumonia, had been in the hospital. They took him home. And their 10-year-old son died of pneumonia in our house. She said her his room is still fixed up. She didn't want to leave the house. They only had so much for down payment, about $10,000. And she said she just didn't want to leave the house. Now the air conditioner had, had uh, gone on the fritz. You know, it was, it was breaking down and they needed a new air conditioner. And so what I said is, you know, in that emotional moment, I said, okay, well, I'll, I'll help with that. I'll take care of that. Well, when the day came of closing, I had to do what I said I would. And, you know, I know that I could have backed out. I know that we could have gotten another realtor. I know that I could have, you know, it could have been about the money. But see, it wasn't about the money. It was about making sure that we are good to our word. That we are good to our word. Because she's going to remember me and she's either going to hate me, that pastor, or she's going to love me. I got a text after that conversation and I could pull it up and share it with you. It's probably ten screens of how blessed they are, how thankful they are, how honored they are. And, and she, it was reflecting upon, you know, the church and clergy in a positive light. And again, I, I don't mean to pat myself on the back, but what we say, what we do, it matters. It matters. An honest answer is like a kiss on the lips. And there's trust and integrity And then you might get to share Jesus with them. Let's live that way, church. Amen. For God's glory. Let's be integrable. Let's be truthful for God's glory. And I believe God will bless that.